Hello, everyone, and welcome to the INSEAD Ideas in Motion podcast. I'm your host, Anjum Rangwala. Benoit Minardo joins us on today's episode of Ideas in Motion. He is the co-founder of Payflow, one of the few Spanish startups to make it into Y Combinator. Before Payflow, he spent time at Bain & Company and Rocket Internet, and he's a 19D graduate from INSEAD. Hi, Benoit. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thrilled to have you join. Thanks. Thanks. So to kick it off, it would be great if you could give us a brief intro of yourself and tell us a bit about your personal and professional background. Yeah, sure. So, um, so I'm Benoit. I'm the I'm the co-founder of Payflow. So uh, my background is that um, so originally I'm half Brazilian, half uh, French. So I, uh, I I grew up in Latin America. Then after moved to Europe, uh, studied in the U.S. Uh, and my my background is in engineering. So studied at the beginning in the in the French uh, in the French system, and then after moved to to MIT. Uh, and for the little story that's at MIT where I met my, my co-founder on Payflow. So we're in the same uh, fraternity uh, and, and, and we basically uh, found out about the, the idea of Payflow back then. Right? So that's quite interesting to see that more than eight years ago, we ended up doing a, a venture together. Uh, right after uh, studying, I worked as an engineer for a couple of years. So I uh, worked in, in Singapore, worked in, in Europe, in Africa. And then after I, um, I joined consulting, so I was at Bain & Company for three years, um, mostly doing projects of fintech and financial services. Uh, and then after that, I moved to, uh, to Singapore where I did uh, added, uh, INSEAD, um, so I'm in, in 19D. Um, so not too, not too long ago, I was, I was there in Seattle and I was most of the time I spent it in, in Singi actually. Um, and my, and my, my goal at INSEAD was to move to startup and move away from consulting. So, um, so that's, that's pretty much what I did after INSEAD, I joined rocket internet, uh, where I was, I was co-founder and CEO of one of the ventures, uh, there. Um, and, and basically uh, this was in Southeast Asia. So based out of Jakarta, um, I run, run the venture, build the product, build a team, and then decided to take those learnings and build my own venture, uh, which is Payflow, and which I started around two years ago in Barcelona in Spain. And can you give us a bit of an overview of Payflow and earned wage access, which is the concept that Payflow is built upon? Yeah, definitely. So, um, so Payflow is a mobile app that allows employees to withdraw their wage whenever they want, instead of just once a month or once per week or twice per month. So if you take, for instance, the 11th of April, um, people have not uh, have not been paid, but they have worked 11 days, right? So thanks to Payflow, what employees can do is they can see how much they have worked until a certain date and then they can withdraw that money. And this comes instantly and in a secure and private way. This is this service, we sell it to companies as an employee benefit in Southern Europe and Latin America. Right? So, so wh- what, is the, what is the pain that we're solving? What is the actual idea behind it? Actually, think about it. Uh, th- think about the gig economy. So for instance, like someone that delivers your food on GrabFood or someone that drives you on, let's say, Uber, right? Every time a person performs this job, the person gets paid, 
right? So the whole gig economy is is very familiar with the concept of on-demand pay, right? Getting pay as you as you work. And actually, you and I we were also quite familiar because when we were younger, when we when we were not when we haven't st- when we hadn't started working, whenever we were doing things, we were getting paid for those things, right? Like I mean, for instance, I was teaching math and physics when I was younger. After each class, I was getting paid. Or I was, I don't know, cutting the, lo- the, the loan of a, of, of a neighbor. And after that, I was getting paid, right? So this, this is something that feels very normal, right? And so there's a whole movement of, of like a pretty, a pretty new uh, model that right now is really becoming a subcategory of fintech that is called earned wage access, right? So this is really the idea of giving access to the earned wage, right? Wow. And this, this has become the most built B2B fintech model in the world in the last in the last five years, more than expense management, more than buy now pay later, more than neobanks for business. There's 142 competitors in the world, and this changes literally every day. Um, so it's it's it really became a new thing. It really became a new category, and it and we're very very excited to be to be leading this this category in our in our regions. <laughs> And the concept of payflow, like you mentioned, you're selling it to the companies, right? So that's different to other salary startups because you're charging the commission to the companies that are using payflow, but you're not charging the employees any com- commission, right? And that kind of differentiates you from other startups in the same space. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say that kind of pricing is is, is like a good differentiator. is is just just part of the the strategies. But but I mean, out of the out of the whole landscape, you would have about 60% of the companies that charges employees. So this is kind of the, the payday loan model uh, where employees are paying to get a, a loan in the before before payday. Um, then you have about 30% of companies that would be charging uh, employers. So as an employee benefit, which is the category where we fall into. So we're definitely not the only one. There's dozens of companies doing that. And then there's probably another 10% of of. Of, of, of salary in advance ventures that do not charge neither the company nor the employee. And I would basically get money out of additional services. So for instance, they would provide a card to the employee. And every time the employee will use this card, they would get a kickback from, from the interchange fee, but they will not get paid from the employee and they will not get paid from the company, right? Okay. And and so who are your main clients then? And, and how is the app, how is it catered to different industries or is there any sort of differentiator there? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, I would say the, the, the main industries, you have basically four industries that are the most, uh, that has the biggest product market fit. Uh, you'd have the hospitality sector. So all restaurants, hotels, this is really an industry that, that has a very high usage also because employees are pretty young in that industry. Uh, then you would have the industry of um, transportation, last mile delivery, logistics, right? So typically what we're allowing is that traditional industries can can get, can get pay their employees the same way as the gig, as the gig economy pays their employees. So those industries would typically hire the same employees, right? Than the last mile delivery uh, rider, for instance. And in that sense, uh, it makes a lot of sense because, like, this is one of the one of the differentiators that we can give to them to compete against against their against their competitors for 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 talent. Right. Uh, the mm-hmm. third one would be retail, so grocery retail, also like 
closing or any type of, 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 of basically large retailers this way. And the fourth one would probably be uh, services, which is call center, uh, cleaning, security. So when you think about it, you, you, will be, you, you will probably be thinking, okay, these are industries where salaries are low, right? So this is the, this is the first reaction. Well, it's not entirely true. Um, it's in terms of market, it's about half of the working population, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's literally you need to remove companies that are very small, so less than a couple of employees, because otherwise the service is difficult to to implement, uh, or they don't have a, a, a payroll software that allows uh, allows it. And you also remove basically, yeah, like probably banks, consulting, uh, startups, but but it's. But yeah, these these don't employ the majority of the population. Right. And thinking to your, so you're headquartered in Barcelona, right? Why did you decide to launch Payflow in Spain as opposed to somewhere else in Europe? Or you mentioned that you're, you've expanded to LATAM as well. Why not there? Yeah. I mean, so, so I, w- I would say that th- this is actually, this is actually an interesting point because most of the time uh, entrepreneurs would, would kind of look at the market where they have the the biggest knowledge or the biggest network or simply like they simply understand better the, the industries in which they will they will be focusing on right so for my co-founder myself it was really the other way around so we were both consultants uh he was at bcg and i was at bain so we really made it as, as a consulting project of market expansion right so we looked at market size market growth barriers to entry to exit a competitive landscape, and we basically decided that Spain was a good market, uh, mostly driven by decent size uh, and 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 quite a few competitors that had started. So again, for for me, like competition is very healthy when you start a business. It's never good to start a business if if no one else has done it. For me, it's a bit of a red flag. Um, so 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 Spain was good for that because you already had four or five competitors. Each of them had raised between half a million and two million. So you, you had some early signals mm-hmm. that, okay, this, there, is, there is going to be a fit there. Uh, and then between Barcelona and Madrid, uh, which are the two, two, two main cities to, to build a startup in, in Spain, um, I would say that we looked at the main bottleneck uh, when you're building a tech startup and, and it's generally tech. So tech talent, like the hiring is very complicated. In Barcelona, you had a little bit more startups than in Madrid. Uh, it's slightly easier to have people relocate because it's more international. It's more, I mean, if you want to build like a strong Spanish company, probably like Madrid would be more, more suited. But if you, if you, if you want to attract, uh, I don't know, talent from pretty much anywhere in the world, it's, it's easier to attract still in Barcelona. Right. So like, that's why we, we, we started there, but we have an office actually in both cities. Uh, it's more or less equal. Uh, and we opened an office in, in Colombia afterwards. Uh, we have, no, we had an office in Chile. Um, now we're opening offices in in Latin America. So basically, it's it's uh, it's it's much less. Uh, everything is in Barcelona. Uh, it just started there, uh, but now it's it's really global. The advantage of starting a company in, in in Spain is also that obviously you can you can expand more aggressively towards Southern Europe or more more aggressively towards uh, Latin America, depending on your strategy. And what is next? What do you think is next in the strategy, expanding more in Europe or kind of focusing the build out in Latin America? No, for, for us, it's clearly Latin America. We really see that there is a huge, uh, there is a huge, huge growth there to capture. Um, it's, you're solving a slightly different pain, but what happens in Latin America is that um, 
the frequency of, of payment is already higher. So a lot of people, like half of the population is getting paid twice per month. So companies understand the pain of basically uh, paying their employees more frequently. So when you need to, when you're already going from, when you already went from once per month to twice per month, it's much easier to justify the uh, twice per month to on-demand, right? Also because you're solving a true pain for companies. You're telling them, hey, you're receiving invoices as a company once per month, but your employees need to be paid uh, twice per month, right? So this is a massive pain and a disruption of cash flow and a lot of processes for you. So I allow you as Payflow to basically remove that friction and you pay me once a month and, and your employees will basically get paid whenever they want. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about your experience at Y Combinator. So you applied for Y Combinator last year. Um, you went through the whole program. So I wanted to hear just a little bit about what kind of prompted you guys to want to apply. What yeah. the, what is the whole program like? And you know what was what was interesting to you when you when you guys were going through the program? Sure, sure. I, it, it's honestly it was it was uh, it was life changing. I think that it was probably the the most intense but also the most rewarding three months of of my life like it was really really great um i think that for for the whole company it's uh if 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 i if i if i think about the main things that the program brought i would put them in in three categories uh the first one would be towards um towards vision so like the way yc pushes you uh to think a lot bigger so like i mean if and and to really i i think that's from a vision perspective, YC is obsessed with product market fit. And I think this is extremely healthy, especially when you come from rocket internet, that is a lot more kind of like copy pasting that work, which is amazing because operationally speaking, there is no better school than rocket internet. But basically, I think that from mid and long term, you really want to have this healthy uh, product market fit obsession that, that, that YC has. Right. So when you have a, a YC uh, t-shirt or mug, uh, what's written on it is make something people want, right? And I think this mm-hmm. is really important. Um, and it forces you to always, always think about that. So I think this this is something that was extremely positive and refreshing for the company. The second the second thing that I think uh, YC brought is uh, is in terms of in terms of knowledge and in terms of um, network. Of, of 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 basically former YC alum and and YC companies, it's um it's one of the most powerful networks that I've that I've seen. Uh, so I'm, I'm very much into different in, into networks. Like I think the INSEAD network, for instance, is extremely strong. But uh, I think YC is 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 a, is a level of of is an order of magnitude uh, stronger. It's literally I, I have close to 100% hit rate on my cold messages to to YC alum. It's it's extremely powerful. So so and that that counts for pretty much anything, for for commercial intros, for for investments, for for hiring, for pretty much everything. This is really a very very powerful network. It really solves a lot of 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 pain that you might have. Um, we recruited a lot of developers just because they knew about YC, which is anything that can help you on hiring is is very important as a startup. Like we we often undermine the importance of. Of hiring, but this is the most difficult part of building a company. So, like when I was at INSEAD, like I was taking all of the HR and soft stuff stuff, and I was I was thinking, okay, f- is it really gonna be useful? And it is useful. Like it's actually the most useful 
things that I've learned. So, so YC mm -hmm. really, really helps on that. You get access to, to simply, um, yeah, like a network that personally, um, and as Payflow, we didn't have access to, uh, from like very successful, uh, companies from Silicon Valley, uh, how they, how they've grown. Uh, and, and, and obviously our group partners are also extremely, extremely well connected. So this is very, very strong. And I think the third point, um, that really brought a lot to Payflow is, is in terms of, of fundraising, uh, really least, but last but not least, uh, YC is extremely good at uh, at fundraising and whenever you're going to demo day i mean it's just a supply and demand uh factor right mm -hmm. but you have you have 3000 investors for 300 startups so it, it it becomes extremely competitive for an investor to get access to you as a startup and this allows you mm -hmm. to get, raise at good terms from from the, simply the best investors in, in in the world uh so this was extremely powerful and and i, I would yeah strongly strongly recommend for that the process was, mm -hmm. was very was very competitive, very challenging, um, but I would I would totally totally recommend it to to any startup that is that is rather early stage. And and going back to the the fundraising process, you mentioned they have this you know network of investors that all come to demo day. So when you when you raised the Series A earlier this year, um, you raised from you know some top investors, CIA Ventures, Force Over Mass Capital, among others. So I guess that experience of you know being at y Combinator, going going through that and having access to the network really helped you there right and um, they yeah. kind of helped I mean, that whole process yeah i mean it, it's it's um we did our we actually raised our round uh right after demo day so like we announced it like a, a little bit later because we had to complete the redomestication to to delaware that is a that is a requirement for yc but basically we raised around as most yc startup uh, around demo day, right? So like this was this was definitely around that we were there, um, and and I mean it, it's slightly different to raise uh, to raise a seed or a pre-seed round. Uh, if you raise like one million, it's slightly different than raising like nine because the investors are are doing much much heavier due diligences. Like so so it's not only there is not only a, like a network, but it's also like a whole like process and like how to properly manage fundraising. Uh, that that really brought that that really was uh, was impactful for us. Mm -hmm. And and going through the program, you said it was three months. So, what were some of the specifics of what you were actually doing, or what Y Combinator, some you yeah. know the teachings that were going through sure. within those three months? Sure. So so you have so you have a lot of workshops. So it's um it's it's like a mini MBA, right? So you have a lot of a lot of workshops around many topics around sales around pricing around ops around hiring around so so you have you 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 have like those those workshops that are uh, that that's generally why CLM are coming to uh to to basically share knowledge on then you have a lot of of founders or you talking to to former YC founders or current YC founders right so we for instance had like Brian Chesky from Airbnb that came to talk to us and like those sessions are really good because they they are very open about it. Like the sessions are not recorded. The sessions are completely. But it, that's why that's why they can be really genuine and 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 share the knowledge, as with a level of proximity that is another level. As if you would just go and watch like a like a webinar from I don't know Elon Musk, right? Like which is great, but like mm -hmm. uh, you, you don't know, you know there is a filter, right? You know there is like a PR team that says what to say and what not to say. Well, there like you have access to that knowledge really unfiltered right so you have a lot of these sessions you would have like a couple of them uh, a couple of sessions like that per week 
So we would we would have I mean we, we met the founder of Brex, we met the founder of, of yeah Airbnb as I mentioned. But like if you look at YC, like most of the biggest companies in the world actually went through the program, like you know, Coinbase, Dropbox, like all of these were are are YC, right? So there's an enormous amount of knowledge there. The most there are two very interesting uh, categories. One is like the one is the, the the office hours that you have with with your group partners. So the way it works is that each group ha- is assigned like three group partners, uh, and generally like they are extremely senior and they have seen many many startups of YC, and these are the same that interviewed you. Um, and like so, the the office hours are amazing because you would go there with like an actual an actual problem, and and they would I would actually answer with with a real solution, which is which is very rare. Uh, generally, like you would you would talk to your investors and and they would they would redirect you they would make some intros but the amount of knowledge and the amount of of mistakes that the group partners have seen is yeah it's beyond any other investor so like uh, the 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 quality of the of the sessions are is really high and we're we're talking like founders of unicorns there right like so where you have like one on one conversations with them so this is this is extremely valuable uh, this is really what made us accelerate and we had these sometimes three, four, five times per week, right? So it's uh, it's really mm-hmm. personalized um, coaching there, right? And, and then mm-hmm. the other thing that is very interesting is that um, you have like group sessions where kind of we do it with uh, like a subgroup of, of, of startups. And these ones are YC basically creates uh, those groups based on uh, either geography or industry. So for us was like a lot of fintech and, and in our group and also targeting Latin America. So like it was it was pretty good because we were basically sharing the same issues. And so we would learn it would learn a lot from each other. And a lot of these sessions continue even now, right? So it means that it's people see value in that. So that these mm-hmm. would uh, these would be my main my main takeaways. Mm-hmm. Was there one person uh, that you talked to during the office hours or you had any sort of one-on-one conversation with you and your co-founder um, that you feel really stood out to you that helped you a lot with, um, you know, the kind of the direction of the company or certain challenges that you were facing? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I think I'm thinking about about two of our of our group partners. Um, so Gustav, Gustav is the one that, that drove the interview uh, and that basically was... Uh, was our our main group partner from that perspective, and he he basically helped scale Airbnb uh, from from the early days to to what it is, right? So it's uh, this is re- this was really really impressive to see the the learnings that he had that he got in terms of growth. So um, most of the conversation we had with Gustav were in terms of like prioritization and and growth. So where should we go next? Uh, what product should we launch? Uh, what's the impact of, of, of putting more resources here or there? So I think this he was really excellent into, in, in that. And, if, and our, our other group partner that, that I think really stood up was, was Nicolas, uh, Nicolas de Seng, uh, who's the, the founder of Algolia, which is a French unicorn. Uh, and, and here, most of the conversations were into uh, B2B uh, sales because he's built uh, probably the most successful B2B sales company in, in, in France and one of the most successful companies in, in, in Europe. Uh, so this was into inbound, uh, how to, how to structure your team, uh, into marketing. So this, these were really, really good learnings from, from Nicola. Mm-hmm. And and going back to kind of the, what you said about Gustav and kind of figuring out the direction of what you're going, where you're going next and thinking about the f- uh, recent fundraising round, 
So eventually you want to use this, this funding to kind of build out more B2C features, right? And you kind of, kind of go into the direction of being a neobank. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so this is an interesting, uh, this is an interesting one because actually what, what we're doing here uh, by doing salary in advance is that we're, we're, we're getting very high into the, the value chain of the money. Right. So like, uh, if you think about it, like most fintech will be looking into that, will be trying to get as much money transiting through, through their, their application or through their service or through their website. Right. So this is the, this is the goal of everyone. And on top of having as much volume as you can, you will want to go as high as you can in the value chain, meaning that salary, which is the highest in the value chain, because this is where the money comes from. Um, controls a lot of the services that are below, right? And what I mean by that is that the way you think about your main account is the account where you get paid. And that's also the way I think about it. And that's also the way the banks think about it, right? So like most neobanks would actually be structured this way, would have a team that will manage the, the main accounts, which the definition is exactly people were getting their salary there, and, and teams that are managing other accounts, which are like secondary accounts or accounts that people use for traveling or for anything, right? So the power you get by having the, all of those main accounts is enormous, right? Because you have first the money coming into your pay flow and then it, then it goes everywhere else, right? So if you add services at the pay flow layer, then the money doesn't go anywhere below. It goes directly to be spent or to be used for other things, right? So like if you allow mm -hmm. people to, I don't know, send money to everyone, like think, think about like services of like peer-to-peer -peer payment, there is no need for this money to be first transferred to a bank and then transferred to, I don't know, another service of peer-to-peer -peer payment or directly from the bank and be transferred. No, this money can be directly transferred from this first layer. If you think about the service mm -hmm. know, to uh, pay your bills or top up your, your phone or any type of those services, if you go higher, then, then no one else basically will, will get access to that basically flow, right? So you will be the first one to do that, which is basically becoming a bank, a bank without saying you're, you're a bank, right? And this is very mm -hmm. interesting because the model of, of pushing that to employees and, and, and not having them pay for it is the most powerful one because you're actually telling employees, okay, I'm, I'm allowing you to get access to your earned wage. I will allow you to do a lot more things with your money. Tomorrow it can be investment. Tomorrow it can be uh, more enhanced savings. It can be any type, any type of, of financial services. Basically, um, basically you're 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 the first in line, right? Which is why, which is why basically uh, both investors and and startups that are in this model are are very excited about the future uh, and and this becoming really the the main banking system. Right? If you ask users, hey, like you have uh, $100, $200, $300 uh, accumulated in your salary in advance app. Why don't you withdraw them? Right? This is a genuine question. Why don't you withdraw this money and put it in your bank? Right? And the answer is, why would I? Right? Because it's free and because it's instant. Right? So I don't have any incentive of doing so. My money is in one pocket and I don't have any incentive in putting it in another pocket. Right? And by other pocket, they mean bank. And this is very interesting mm -hmm. behavior. Because this basically means we're treated as a bank, while we never said we would, right? But this is, mm -hmm. this is powerful because by adding the relevant services, you're the first in line. Yeah, making everything a lot more connected in general. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, looking forward to that. So I want to uh, end things, just to kind of tie everything back to INSEAD. So I'd love to hear any advice that you would give yourself if you were just starting out at INSEAD. Yeah. Um, I think, so I think INSEAD is, 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 a fantastic, is a fantastic program and that's why I, I still, I'm still very involved in the, in the community. Um, it's very important to, to, to be here at INSEAD with, with a clear goal uh, and not to kind of wait until what, what's like the system will kind of push you to, to do from a career perspective. Right. Like, so, so, and it can be any type of goal, right? Like for instance, I don't know, I was in consulting for, for the last three years before INSEAD and, and my, my wife as well. And we were like, okay, we're going to go to INSEAD and, and we will, we'll use this time to organize our wedding and get married. That's fine. That's a goal, right? But you need to have a few clear goals, right? And because if you don't do that, um, you will, you will feel that it will go very fast to P3, P4, and then, and then you will hear you will keep hearing all the time people that you've never met that just say, "Hey, uh, so where are you going next?" Right? And you will feel this pressure that is that is that is really unhealthy for you. That oh, I really don't know what should I do. Okay, now I should apply to consulting. What should I do now? Okay, didn't really work out. Okay, I'm gonna apply to a big tech. Hmm, didn't really work out. I'm gonna apply to that. I'm gonna apply to that. And then after, you basically. I mean, you're basically getting towards the end of the program and you have more and more stress and less and less time, right? Which is only accelerating your stress, right? So for me, for me, this is really the advice that I would, that I would give is, is really to, to be focused in, on one thing, because if you're focused on one thing, you're definitely going to achieve it. And this thing can be anything, it can be investment banking, can be consulting, can be startup, can be big tech, can be whatever, right? But I would not let slip towards uh, P3, P4, uh, the, the 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 definition of the focus uh, from a career perspective, because simply after there is not enough time, right? And things can change very fast. Right? So for instance, like uh, in my year, I was 100% sure, but like 100% sure that I would be working in a startup in Indonesia. Like this was like, this was absolutely sure, right? So this is this is exactly what I was, what I focused on during all of the periods of, of INSEAD, right? And and then afterwards, I was I was indeed like working for Rocket Internet in Indonesia. But basically, I was I was only doing that. And nowadays, obviously, I have nothing to do with that. But I'm very happy that I was so focused. And and my only learning is that this is really what what has made it work. It's because I had I had basically put one industry and even a sub industry within startup, and uh, and, and and a region because it's very simple. It's very easy to say, oh yeah. I want to I want to work in whatever uh, finance in Europe. Well that's that's very broad. Like there's plenty of branches of finance and there are plenty of countries in Europe, right? So there is no way <laughs> to actually work in 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 you 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 really need to go niche if you want to find something good, right? And and it will be a lot easier to be the top 1% if you if you if you just put your scope and and narrow your scope. And it's difficult because you don't want to close doors. You think, "Oh, what if I do consulting now?" No, no, you you shouldn't do that. So that, that's why it's, um, for me, this is really the, the most important, right? So talk to a lot of people uh, in, in, whatever, in, in whatever region and industry you, you, wanted to, you want to focus on. 
Mm-hmm. And for the students that, you know, do come in more focused and they want to do, you know, startups or start their own company or work in VC or something like that. Yeah. What is what do you think that NCAD can do to help those students? Because obviously the path is much less structured, right? Like you have to do a lot of it on your own. There's a, a much higher level of proactivity that goes into one of those career paths than something like consulting, for example. Yeah, but for, for sure, for sure, the path is less structured. I don't think it will... It will ever be. It will ever be because it's. Uh, it's by definition. Uh, it's by by definition there. It's a lot more granular. You don't have that many. You have a lot more companies, uh, both in terms of investors and of startups. I mean, I would say that. Um, whenever you have, so for first for students, whenever you have defined the industry that you want to work with within startups, and whatever you have defined the country where you want to work with. Uh, within startup and within this industry, you talk to everyone there, and it, and it's and you're going to realize that it's not that much of a big world, right? Like so, for instance, like in my example, Indonesia, I had probably I had messaged the 400 each uh, insiders that were living there. I had organized coffee chats with about 150, so I was going to to Jakarta like between three and four days per week for most of my for most of my my insider time. Um, and, and, and basically after that, I had a very good idea and, and, and I had done this both from top down and bottom up, uh, bottom up, meaning, meaning that I had talked to all entrepreneurs in, in the category that interested me and in the, in the region that interested me. And, and, and I understood very clearly what are the hot startups, what are the good teams, what are hot models, where, where, where is everyone moving towards? So I had a good understanding of that, right? And I also had a good understanding of, of like what will happen a little bit later than than when I was talking to these people, right? Uh, and then I did the same top down. So I did the same to investors, right? So I, I and it's very it's much easier to contact a VC if you tell a VC you don't want to work in a VC because everyone wants to work <laughs> in a VC than if you go and 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 trying to get other things from them. So if you go to a VC and you say, hey, I'm inter- I'm interested in in understanding what do you think about this specific category, this specific region, uh, and I and I come to your place, invite you for fifteen minute coffee, but really interested to learn to learn that. You're gonna realize and you're gonna understand where is the money going, and the same questions: where are the hot teams? What are the hot models? What are the what are the hot mo- what are the hot things that are that are happening in your industry and in your region, right? And then generally, the winning horse is the intersection of both. So that's why you really need to do this. You really need to do this this exercise, right? So that's that's on that's on what can you do as a as an instead student uh, for instead itself. Um, I think it's I think it's hard. Uh, it's hard because uh, you fir- th- there is a first need to educate students about how how last minute uh, these opportunities are going to come. Right, because um, like if you would tell me now in April, do I want to hire people over the summer? I have no idea. I really don't know. But if you ask me like one week before, I will tell you, okay, yeah, I think this would make sense. And this is very difficult for Insad because Insad likes to plan and likes to know that half of the people are going to whatever consulting or things that they already have a start date and an end date. Well, it it doesn't it does not uh, it it does not it does not really matter on like how your I mean, it, it shouldn't matter how late you're getting your your opportunity, and that's very hard to do. Right? The second thing that I think is um, is important for for instead is is to to accommodate uh, the 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 timings 
because very often startups uh, say, okay, like I can hire you like one day per week or two days per week, right? And sometimes like you want to go for the most, uh, like the best class or the, or, or a class that you really want to go and, and then you cannot simply do that, right? So like for me, it was very difficult. And P4, P5, I was actually working almost full time because I was working three days per week. And, and it was very hard because I had to remove a lot of classes and I had to arrange everything. And I think that it's just the program is not ready for that. Uh, but it's not, yeah, it, it, I, I think that there would be a need to, to help students that want to work one or two days per week to do so. Because you're going to learn so much more if you just work one, two days per week in a startup. Um, and again, you don't care because it's uh, it's for learning. So you don't you're not going to ask for like a salary, or you just you just want, you just asked to be in your industry, in your country that that you want to work with, and this will allow you to 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 unlock like much more much more network and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would be a great opportunity. P four, P five, more of a like a hands on learning experience, uh, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Um, you, great. You can, you can structure the classes and have I don't know like. A, uh, three days a certain block three days another block but it's it's uh it's very difficult like i i understand that the schedules are are a nightmare to organize and like if you add that it's it's going to become even more complicated but i think it would add tremendous value to to people that are willing to do startups because this will not be applicable for consulting consulting no one will hire you two days per week but startups everyone would <laughs> yeah yeah i agree it would be really helpful for the students who want to do that um, okay, great. So just to end things on a bit of a fun note, would love to hear uh, from your time at NCAD uh, what your favorite memory was. Um, I, I think it's, so it's either the beginning or the end. Um, I would say I would say probably uh, the grad trip. Um, I think the, the grad trip was really great because you had pretty much everyone. Uh, and you also had a lot of people that you had connected in P1, in P2, that then changed campus. I mean, I, I was a lifer, so 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 there was very few people that I hadn't met, only the other lifers. Um, so it was really great to have everyone back uh, and to basically just like have fun and 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 party in the in the grad trip. That would probably be uh, probably be my my best uh, my best memory. Where did you guys go for the trip? Phuket. Ah, oh, fun. Very nice. <laughs> great. Well, thank you so much, Benoit, for your time. Really had a great time hearing all about Payflow and what you guys are doing and your experience at Y Combinator. Um, and we'll definitely uh, keep track of, of Payflow and what you guys do in the future. Thanks. Thanks, Antrim. See you soon. Bye. 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 Okay. Friends, thank you for listening to the Ideas in Motion podcast. I sincerely hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for more episodes soon. And if you liked this one, please share it. Signing off, I'm your host, Anja Mangwala. <laughs>